to another episode of the Great British Drafting Show, a proud part of the Right Network and powered by Ortho Carolina. I am your host, Dan Cresso, and joining me is Vincent Richardson. Hello. Now, Vincent, I don't know about you, but this past week, I've watched so much offensive line tape. <laughs> I've watched quite a lot as well, yes. Yeah. We, we've got a, a jumbo episode uh, coming for you guys today. Um, so we're going to split it into two parts. The first one on offensive tackles. Um, and the second part on the interior offensive line, so that's guards and centres. We've got lots of players to talk about, lots of players that probably can make a difference for the Panthers because the offensive line in general is a position of need um, for the Panthers. Um, But yeah, I am excited to talk about these guys because there's a whole range of different skill sets on offer this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a real range of, of of types of players. I think there's it's 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 an interesting class actually. I think that particularly when you get past the sort of top few guys at each position group, it's then it's then a very uh, diverse group in that it's very much picking what kind of player you want rather than uh, as much going for just absolute quality. If that makes sense, there's a degree of sort of developmental versus immediate impact and sort of yeah. technicians rather versus athletes and all that kind of stuff. So. I think that's been a, a theme um, of our episodes thus yes. far. Every position group, it seems to be that it's the sort of pick your poison thing. Don't expect um, kind of like well-rounded players. Yeah, that there are. This is a class without many really top-tier prospects. It, it's kind of it's mm-hmm. it's a very very thin top-end class. But then there's a real depth of sort of day two, early day three talent. Um, yeah. That you know. We'll get into sort of draft tactics sort of right up before the draft, but but it does potentially open the door to to, to a number of options for teams like the Panthers that, that have a number of needs they need to address. Yeah, um, but the offensive line looks like a position that the Panthers might target in the first round. Yes, yeah, certainly one of the one of the options. Yeah, um, and the reason being is that their their offensive line looked a bit shaky last year. Yes, yeah, it, there's 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 a whole load of issues going on. I mean, if you start a tackle, for example. At the moment, I think they'd probably end up starting Taylor Moten at left tackle, who mm-hmm. uh, whose only professional start there was week one against the Cowboys last year, yeah. and that didn't go amazingly. Um, you know, he, de- he you know some of that was because the Cowboys are a good defense, and it was his first career start. And there, you know, there, you know, there are a reasonable number of mitigating factors, and there there is at least some hope that he would be better if he was asked to play there, yeah. sort of week one this year, particularly if he spent all the training camp there, but. He, he is a he is a good but not elite right tackle, and I think he's probably best staying at right tackle in an ideal world and just being a consistently good starter there, rather yeah. than going to left tackle where there are, there are, we can get get into it at some other point. But 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 there are, there are a number of technical issues where he he's not amazing, and those are probably not things you want to have your left tackle dealing with on a snap by snap basis. And then you go to right tackle, and you've got Daryl Williams. Who is again a, a decent to good but not elite right tackle, um, but who is also coming off a season-ending injury and is a, yeah. going into the uh, no, he's on a one-year contract anyway. So even even if he's fully healthy and plays at his best, he's going to be a free agent again next year, and the Panthers either have to throw a lot of money at him, which they don't really have, or they end up having to find a new tackle again next year. So the the idea of them finding someone who they could start at left tackle. 
and then or, or, or you know, could start at one tackle spot and have Moden and Williams compete at the other mm. with I with you know with also the potential of one of them to kick inside to guard. It, it makes a yep. load of sense, particularly when you think that the Panthers don't actually have a third tackle who's played in an NFL game. So <laughs> Yeah. Currently, I think it's Isaiah Battle as the number three tackle, who in oh, four seasons has not played, not, not not started, has not put on a game jersey in four seasons in the NFL. Um, That's impressive, I, I, especially yeah. that tackle. Yeah, no, it, it really is. Um, I mean, it's mainly been a practice squad guy is, is, is a big yeah. reason why. But, uh, you know, th- this is a team with a number of questions at starter and almost zero depth. So the, so. Even if the Panthers don't go tackle in the first round, this is something they almost have to draft at this point in terms of looking at their roster. And then when you look interiorly, the centre position's pretty strong, um, but that because Larson could also move to guard, if they if the best player in terms of a depth point of view is, is a centre, they could also take a centre. And you know, whilst Trey Turner's almost definitely going to be the right guard, you look at left guard, Van Roten was okay, but not amazing last year. Mm. Brenda, Maho, uh, Brenda Mann might have a chance to compete as a second-year pro, but he missed the end of last season with an injury. So they could potentially see one, probably, def- this team could draft as many as three offensive linesmen, and they'd all have a shot to make the roster, I think, is the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and uh, as you mentioned with with Williams as well, you just, even if you have a solution for this year, you do not have a long-term solution. No, And, and it's and always Van worth Ro- thinking kind of one year ahead. Yeah, and Van Roten's also a, a pending free agent after this season as well. So, you know, it, it, at the moment, the current starting five don't look amazing, and two of them are pending free agents anyway. So that there's there's mm. there's a real yeah. real need for the Panthers on offensive line. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to talk about what skill sets you look for an offensive lineman in college? How that uh, the different position groups project to the NFL level? Is there a difference between left side and right side, etc.? Okay, yeah, and I, I think so. Very superficially about the left side, right side thing. I think there definitely is a difference, um, mainly with familiarity. I think in that if you've always played left, you, your sort of footwork and handwork is all based on playing left, and it will take some time to adjust to playing right, and vice versa. Um, there is also some degree of left-handedness versus right-handedness, but that's largely something that's not, you know, familiarity with playing that side is far more important. The only thing is, is that you generally tend to want to have a better player at left tackle because the quarterback can't see what's behind him. Yeah. So it, it's it's more a matter of, of of one is more valuable if only from a from a the fun. You know, if you've got a left-handed quarterback, then it's a right tackle is more important. But it, it, it's it's more about the actual mechanics of how people work rather than sort of a a tactical aspect. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of technique. For center and guard, it's generally very similar. The only difference being that there's a, you know, that there's a mental aspect to center that, that isn't there for guard usually. And, mm. and also you have the fact that because you have to snap the ball, one, you have to be able to snap the ball, and two, you also have an added element of, of having to readjust your hands post-snap, yeah. which you know is always going to be harder than playing guard in that regard, but the best players are able to compensate, it, compensate, with it, compensate for it fairly effectively. Um, in terms of the core technique, you obviously want for tackles in particular to see the foot speed in order to cover speed rushes. You know they have they have to be able to get out there to cut down the angles. Um, you also then, I think the thing with with, with the tackle in particular, but all offensive line in general is that a lot of the skill sets really build off each other. So that if guys don't have the foot speed to cover speed rushes, what they quite often then do is sacrifice other areas of their technique in order to compensate for that. So. 
ideally you want to see players take small relatively small but very fast um, steps you want to see them keep their weight fairly even distributed between the two legs you want to see them lower the center of gravity with a good knee bend and keep their weight over their feet to prevent, prevent them getting off balance in terms of hand usage you want to see guys use their hands early in the play to stop early contact to their frame allowing sort of defenders to push off or, or, or create swim, swim moves um, you then want to see them keep their elbows in to protect their frame and you want to see them strike with a two-handed strike when they actually you know, on plays where it's relevant to striking you'll see them striking to the frame of the defender you want to see strong hands located the ability to you know not control as such but 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 to 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 use that to then create angles that are beneficial for the offense both in terms of the run game and the passing game and a, a a lot of what they need to do in the run game is also stuff they have to do in the passing game. So it's it's generally surprising if their te- technique is significantly different for both. Um, but for some guys it is, and that's just a discipline thing. Um, obviously, there are athletic things like power and foot speed that kind of are fundamental. And then with guard, it is, it is very similar. You just don't have quite the same value on foot speed and probably a greater value on pad level for a lot of the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think, yeah, that does make sense. Um one one thing I struggle a bit with um, is evaluating guard prospects who play tackle in college. Um, okay. Because they're matching up against college uh, defensive ends and linebackers rather than NFL defensive tackles. Yeah. Um, I, I, how do you approach that? So I think it, 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 there are certain athletic things you have to look at. So that, you know, if, if you know, um, how can I put it? So if, if if a guy struggles for power at tackle, he's probably going to struggle for power at guard. But yeah, th- that that kind of stuff isn't that vital actually. Generally, technique is more important than athleticism on the offensive line, yeah. particularly inside actually. Um, but what you want to see is you want to see the skills. You want you want to look at why they failed at tackle, and it shouldn't just be they're not fast enough with their feet because if they're not fast enough with their feet then they're probably going to be a very good guard. But but realistically, most tackles who aren't fast enough with their feet, feet that then creates other technical issues. And what you want to yeah. see is is effectively them playing within themselves at tackle, but just then getting beaten around the edge. Like if a guy is consistently being beaten outside at, at tackle, then he's probably not that. Those are the people it makes sense to move to guard because their issue is just foot speed generally. Yeah. Whereas if a player is consistently being beaten out at top inside a tackle, then you've got to work out why that is and what, what, how that's going to affect them at guard. Is it a pad level thing? Is it a, a hand usage issue? Is is it a, a, an actual fundamental of how they how they slide, so how they move laterally? Um, all, all, I mean, we'll talk about this sort of more in terms of examples when we get to actual players. But of course, there there, there are there are guys who who's whose physical limitations are clear at tackle, but whose technique is very well-rounded, and those guys tend to make good guards. Whereas the players who might have the power you want to see at guard and might sort of be a more prototypical guard body, but actually technically are quite poor, those guys tend to be worse guard conversions, if only because things like hand usage and pad level are really, really important inside. They're important at tackle as well, but if you don't have them at tackle, you're not suddenly going to get them at guard. Okay. Um... And in terms of running schemes, there is a difference between yes. uh, zone and power. Um, yeah. And so, correct me if I'm wrong, but generally for zone blocking schemes, you're looking more uh, for guys with a foot speed, a foot quickness, um, the ability to seal off blocks, and less yes. um, the ability to drive through contact, which is what you, you rather want in, in a power scheme. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, ideally you want players who can do both because there aren't that many teams that exclusively run power or exclusively yeah. run zone. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So so things like body control, foot speed are more important in zone schemes. Whereas in power schemes, you do at a pretty fundamental level have to be able to get a hat on a hat and just move people, um, which requires generally some sacrifices in terms of block control. But you also need guys to be power. You, know, you do need powerful guys to run a power scheme. Yeah. You, know, you need I, your big I, bodies. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the NFL is like power schemes put more pressure on offensive linesmen. Like to to be to be mm. frank, like it, it's yeah. easier to run a zone scheme. Um, you know. It, it, it takes a lot of pressure off guys having to make blocks that are really beyond their capability. Well, I think um, that's one of the reasons why uh, having more zone runs became popular um, in the NFL with like the Redskins yeah. teams from from the, the 80s. I mean, I mean, he, he, the really good example about how important scheme is for offensive linesmen is last year's Colts. So, I mean, I'm, I don't like PFF grades for many reasons, but they're at least a vaguely decent indicator in terms of the vague performance of an offensive line. So, through the first like five weeks of the season, the Colts' offensive line was graded pretty poorly by PFF. I think it was something like the twenty-first rated in the NFL, and yep. then they radically changed their offensive scheme. They went from a power run scheme to a zone run scheme, at least largely be- between the two. Yeah. And they went to a much more quick passing patterns with a lot more sort of three and five step drops and d- took away the longer drops. Yep. And their offensive line via PFF grade just went through the roof <laughs> but they i think it ends up with the fourth highest rated offensive line in the nfl last year by pff yeah. having ryan kelly previously been the worst rated center in the nfl for his first two seasons i think you yeah. know i'm not going to keep harping about quentin nelson but quentin nelson through the first five weeks was a below average graded guard and ended up as an all pro just and that's some of it's because he was a rookie and he got better but a decent chunk of it is because suddenly his job became far more manageable and a, and a huge part of offensive line play is giving people jobs that are sensible for them to achieve and some of the guys we're going to talk about and one guy in particular who you know i i really like and i think you like a fair amount um i i don't think his tape is helped by the fact that sometimes he was being asked to do things that were incredibly difficult and and you know the scheme did not help him be a good player and sometimes he was having to compensate for quite aggressive play design shall we say yeah yeah i i yeah oh oh Ole Miss this year were one of the hardest teams to watch just because what they were asking their players to do sometimes made very little sense. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Anyway. Well, we, yeah, we might as well move. Let's uh, well get to it now. Yeah, we might as well uh, yeah, cut to the chase. Uh, Greg Little, I'm guessing, is the guy you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Him, and, him and Andre Dillard are my top two tackles, and it's yeah. really, really close between them. And I think we're going to talk about this a bit because I think we're, we're slightly each side of the argument to a certain degree. But yeah, it's also a matter of what you value and whether you value floor and ceiling and, and that kind of thing. Um, so little for me is the top tackle. Um, and I, the best way I can explain it is it's similar to, to what the Panthers had last year when they drafted DJ Moore in that DJ Moore's best plays were better than any other receiver in the class by a long way last year. And Greg Little's best plays are about as close to exemplary pass protection and run blocking as you're going to see in this class or probably most draft classes. He's got exceptional foot speed. Um, He's got really long arms that he places quite well most of the time. Um, 
he, he's got good hand speed as well. He plays with good knee bend, like surprisingly very good knee bend for a six foot six guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he generally keeps his weight over his frame for the most part. You know, he does everything you want an offensive tackle to do. You can find a play where he does it. The issue is he just doesn't do it all all the time. And some of that, I think, can be explained through a various sort of different ways. But but there is a real consistency issue at times um, where things that he shows 95 percent of the time, there are just five percent of plays where he just doesn't do it, whether that's knee bend whether that's um keeping his elbows in uh, as a pass protector whether that's his tendency to get his you know weight over his feet you know all, all that stuff there are there's just a small fraction of plays where all of it just goes out the window in places and yeah trying for him i, I think the interviews are going to be so so important because understanding why he's inconsistent is a really crucial part of evaluating him and that's something that i just i can't do from a distance if that makes sense yeah um and and if it's if it, if it's ill discipline that you think can be dealt with through coaching, then I think he's his ceiling is just so appealing. Yeah. Um, and but if if you think he just doesn't have the mentality to to ever improve upon that, then obviously that that's a significant issue because if you don't think he can improve, there are going to be these five to ten percent of plays where he just does some really irritating stuff. Yeah, um, I think that's a, a pretty good evaluation of uh, where Greg Little's game is right now. Um, I've, his his bend is really good um especially with someone that size yeah. um he he really kind of uh sinks his hips quite low um generally got good balance but mm-hmm. w- one thing i really find um not weird about greg little's game but something that you rarely see in a player is just how wide his feet are uh in his general pass pro set um yeah now this can be a really good thing because um if he if he gets it right then his balance is really good and it also mm-hmm. means his his uh, uh, kick slides are, are really quick just because he covers up so much ground um, yeah. with his legs. That's why he's got really good foot speed. Um, but I think there are, there are times when he just gets his feet a bit too wide apart and all of a sudden all of the balance goes and all of the, the core strength that he's got in his legs goes. Because otherwise he is a pretty strong um, offensive tackle. And I think if we're comparing him to, to Dillard, he's definitely a stronger um, player. But I, that... that uh, those issues with his feet do concern me um, and it's, it's a difficult thing to evaluate because it's both a strength and a weakness I think and it's possible that you could get an offensive line coach that will really polish it up and uh, remove the inconsistencies um, from his game Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not as worried about the width of his legs, I think there are you know, it, it could be a little bit better but it doesn't I, I think actually the inconsistencies don't stem from that they're just not helped mm-hmm. by that so that if, okay. if, if 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 he didn't do the things wrong that lead to the inconsistencies that yep. wouldn't be an issue it's just it, that then exacerbates when he does yep. make mistakes and the, like the most common thing i think he does is he's got ridiculously long arms i think they're 35 and a quarter inches yep. which is just monstrously long but even then he reaches for blocks that are just too far away and that mm. then get that it, you know he reaches you know He's in pass set and he's in perfectly good position. He could he could just stand where he is and wait for the rusher to have to commit to either trying to go around him or trying to go inside him or past him or, or whatever. Yep. But rather than just having the patience to wait for that, he then just tries to dive at the guy's chest. And yep. some sometimes that's great, but he does it when he's just too far away. And that then because he's then punching forwards, his weight is then definitely going forwards because his arms are going forwards. 
And then if, if he doesn't secure that hit, if the defender sidesteps it or swats his arms, he then just falls for, you know, he very rarely ends up on his, on his, on his sort of front, but he then is off balance leading forward and defenders can just go to the side. All right. Yeah, there are definitely think, a, a few occasions where you could screenshot uh, his body position, and it would just be like, "Well, this is a really bad play." If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, but I don't. I, so guys get beaten inside for different reasons, and I don't think so. His isn't anything to do with his foot speed. I don't think like there are guys who get beaten inside because they're so they're so focused and they don't have the foot speed to mirror the speed rush. So they really have to just put everything they have into getting out to cover the speed rush. Yeah. And then all the momentum's going one way, the guy steps inside and they just fall out the back door. And that's, that's a bit where Taylor Moten is at times. And that's really the biggest concern with him at the moment. Um, but, but I don't think Littles isn't that it isn't, a, you know, it isn't a foot speed thing and it isn't a, uh, a momentum thing in terms of him having a hitch in his step. It's just, he tends to reach for blocks that aren't there yet. And I, I think that's, Understanding why he does that, I think, is really important to his value. Yeah. Um, and so, how does he compare to Andre Dillard, who you reckon is is close but not quite up there with with Little? Yeah. So I think Dillard is more consistent. Um, the things he does well, he does consistently well. And the issue he has, there's primarily one one issue with his game, but that issue is there on almost every single play and doesn't create problems on every single play. But but does create problems. Yep. Um, so he he's got really good hand usage. His foot speed's good. Yep. Um, I think he uses his arms quite well as a run blocker. He just doesn't bend his knees very well. Yeah. Um, and that's fine apart from when someone tries to bull rush him, particularly if they take a couple of quick steps because his head level starts off okay, and then once he's a couple of steps into his slide, his whole body raises up. And if you if, if you then escape contact at that point, he's standing almost vertical. And there are a couple of plays, even against relatively undersized pass rushers, where they were just able to drive him backwards towards the quarterback. And if you go up against bigger, more powerful <laughs> NFL pass rushers, they're going to really do that. Yeah. Um, and, and they're just going to put you on skates. Um, and that also shows up in the run game in terms of because he's quite high, it's harder for him to control blocks. And it's also harder for him to actually transfer power because a lot of his momentum is a lot of his force is going upwards rather than horizontally. Yeah. So I, I I think it's one of those things where if you don't fix anything about their games, Dillard is probably the better player. But his issue is quite significant and if is probably therefore possibly quite hard to fix. There you know, whereas little potentially has the out of its ill discipline and you can just eliminate it quite, fairly easily. Fixing Dillard's knee bend is is not a trivial matter. You know that's that's going to take a lot of work and might never happen. There are guys who play yeah. ten years in the NFL and just never ever get it down, and it's to some degree just a core athletic trait to a certain extent. Um, so there is you know Dillard. You with Dillard, I think you have to accept he is what he is, and if you fix his knee bend, it's a bonus. Yeah. Um, and 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 what he is is a borderline first to second round tackle who in this class is probably going to go in the top fifteen picks. Um, and if he falls to the Panthers, he's absolutely worth it in this class. Don't you know? I'm not. I'm not arguing that he's not worth a 16th mm. pick in, in this class. Yeah. But there, there are going to be plays where he gets, you know, he gets bull rushed, or there are going to be plays where he just can't sustain the block going, you know, particularly on his own blocking scheme because he just, he just, the guy gets under him and he just, he has to bend with his arms because he can't bend with his waist because his waist is too high. Mm. So. He is a safer pick than Little, but I, I, I think the gap between the best case scenario is that he fixes his knee bend, but the odds of him doing that, I think, are, are relatively low. 
Um, I think his his range of outcomes is almost sort of there's, there's just a, a step in his range of outcomes, which is he basically is who he is unless you can fix this one thing, in which case he gets a fair amount better. Yeah. But there's probably a fairly low chance that you can fix that. I think um, I agree with your assessment of his his skill set. Um, his his biggest flaw is uh, guys getting their their hands um, on his chest and jacking him backwards. Um, mm-hmm. I think part of that is an issue with his leverage. Uh, part of that is an issue with perhaps his core strength. Um, he's also got. Uh, for for a tackle, very short arms, um, which exacerbates the the issue. So it's it's something that might not ever improve, as you say. Um, yeah. But even if it if it doesn't, I still think you've got a, a good NFL player there. I think yeah. his yeah. his movement yeah. skills are better than Little's. Um, uh, is I think, I think his I pass think, pro set is is better as well. I think they're pretty close. I, I mean, I. I so I, I I I must admit I, I I do have them really really close together. I don't yeah. think there's a massive. Di- yeah. dif- I don't think that their foot speeds are particularly different. I think, mm. um, I I I think they're pretty pretty close in terms of their movement skills. I think Dillard is possibly better if you if, if you want to pull tackles a lot. He's possibly better in that regard. But I, yeah, um, he's he's better in space. Okay. Yeah, but I, I you know realistically in terms of the, the the value you put on on players, I think that's kind of. To a degree, you know, you'd much rather someone was consistently good in pass sets and run sets, and like we will talk about playing in space to a certain degree, but I don't think I'm going to put a massive deterministic value on that, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, but yeah, Dillard's quite a, a unique college prospect because it's very rare to have someone um, deal with speed rushes as as well as he does. His issue is um, when when guys get their hands on his chest and just bull rush him. Yeah, I think the one thing I sort of hinted at earlier, and I think is worth talking about as well, is is the way in which they were either helped or not helped by their scheme. Okay, so, go on. So Washington State ran a lot of fairly quick passing patterns. Yeah. Um, and Dillard generally was only asked to, generally they ran a lot of three and five step drops or a lot of it out the shotgun with relatively limited quarterback drop. Yeah. And, and you know, that's fine. That's what most NFL teams will do. That's not an issue mm. in his regard. But I think sometimes little really wasn't helped by the way in which Ole Miss asked him to play. Um, they pass set. I mean, I, I, I went, I, I found it really frustrating to watch at times, but so they had the quarterback w- was, was dropping 10 yards back from where the ball was snapped. And that's just, yeah, that, that's something players in the NFL might back up for that if they see a player loses inside early and they have to drop back to create some space for the guy to work around them. But that there were plays where, you know, effectively the amount of space you were asking t- the tackles to cover in order to prevent a speed rush was just so great that that th- realistically that's just not something they'll be asked to do in the NFL that, that yeah. you won't you won't you won't ask a, you know, a team to, to I think there was there was one um quarterback hit that the little gave up on a scramble where he covers the speed rush 11 yards back down the field and then the quarterback starts running upwards, and he's then unable to deal with the when the edge then starts mm. taking off to take. And it, but it's just it, you you should not be asking your tackles to pass at eleven yards down the field. This is like the thing with the Colts did is they rather than asking their tackles to set for eight yards, they ask them to set for five yards, and that makes a huge amount of difference. So the then difference it makes between eight yards and eleven yards is incredible. You know, Ole Miss did not use their talents effectively last year. And no it way. really, really shows on tape, and yep. it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah. Um, also, 
the amount of time that they took. That Washington State got the ball out really quickly most of the time. I mean, not all the time. Minshew does have an issue with processing reads, but there there were plays where where Ole Miss were just asking to pass protect for a very long period of time over a very large area, and it 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 showed up on all their offensive line prospects the amount of pressure they put them under. Yeah. Um, another thing to note with uh, the schemes that that Dillard and um, Little played under, they had very little tight end uh, help, which quite uh, a few. Up. Yeah, quite a few of uh, the tackle prospects we'll move on to did have. Um, yes. Obviously, most of that is down to the scheme, but also I reckon just because of their, their natural ability to, to deal with speed rushes, there wasn't really uh, yeah. an impetus for you know the offensive line coaches and the, the offensive coordinator to make sure that they've got um, tight end help. Yeah, well, Darren Williams won an all-pro with tight end help on almost every single path set, so yeah. I, 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 I don't know what you mean. Oh, God, that's <laughs> complete nonsense. It was, it was really interesting watching go back and watching Taylor Moten against the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, so they left him on an island for like the first quarter and a half, and he repeatedly was having real struggle covering the speed rush and then getting beaten inside. And and with before the first half, he was having a tight end guardian on obvious passing plays, and that's fine. Like, don't get me wrong, he was dealing with with one of the best pass rushers in the NFL in Lawrence. So like, yeah. I, I, this isn't meant to be a rag on Moten, but this is something that NFL teams do quite a bit, and Little and Diller just never got. So. I mean, Little almost never even got guard help inside. They yeah. got a fair amount of guard help at times. Um, not loads, particularly not against speed rushers. But he did get... But, like, the, the Ole Miss ran the complete opposite of what you want to run offensively. They ran a scheme that was so dependent on the offensive line playing really well and all their receivers getting open without very much schematic help. That Yeah, Ole Miss's offense is not, not something you want to replicate in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I'll stop that rant because that could go on for a while. Um, yeah, should we move on further down the board? Because I think for me, <laughs> yeah. for me at least, there's a there's a pretty there's a really quite significant gap between those two and then the next three. I think it probably relative. You know, for me, the next three are probably a bit grouped together, and then there's a bit more of a gap, and then there's another couple too. Um, yeah, there, there, there's at least uh, one round uh, difference in in your grades for, but then if not two. Um, between yeah. Dillard and you've got number three. Yeah, and, and number three, four, and five for me are, are, pr- are really close together, and it's 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 a it's a real balance between whether you want immediate ability or sort of more long term potential. Yeah. So the guy who I've got three is Mitch Hyatt who, from Clemson, who is I know that's a lot higher than other people have have got him. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't think he's ever going to be a great NFL tackle, but. I think I've got like a mid third round grade in him, and it's kind of he's technically pretty well rounded. He might struggle against better NFL athletes, but he can probably come in, play right tackle and not be terrible right away and have no sort of real exposable key flaw. Um, whereas Jerron Taylor, who I've got number four, has, you know, a much higher ceiling, but has a probably more... His 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 pass set technique is is in need of some real work in a way that, that I don't think Hyatt is. Yeah. Hyatt is just limited by how good an athlete he is. Whereas Taylor's is currently not playing to his athletic potential. Okay, so what is Taylor's flaw then? What's he doing wrong in his pass set? So he's got really good foot speed in terms of he takes very fast steps, but he he tends to really load weight onto his back leg. 
So, so in a, an attempt, so rather basically because he transfers some momentum vertically rather than laterally, he ends yeah. up going upwards, which then causes him to have to load weight onto his back leg because he's effectively pushing off with his front leg onto his back leg. Um, and the issue that means is that that means his momentum is very much going backwards. And that then exposes your inside in a way that isn't just about discipline or, or you know, positioning. It's it's fundamentally, in order to cover the speed rush, he's having to put himself in a position that creates inside opportunities. And realistically, he has to sort of actually change his whole body position. He has to bend his knees more and square his hips more so he's, he's squarer to his uh, defender. Because at the yeah. moment, he's kind of, he's going very sideways. And that's one quite inefficient in terms of the, your foot speed you're able to generate but also creates some balance issues as well and, and and players who are able to get him going backwards and then cut inside are probably going to have fairly consistent success against him in a way that he he at the moment isn't technically able to compensate against yep he's he's very prone to to inside rushes um yeah he yeah that, that that's that's basically his biggest flaw um yeah and if he can fix that then he's a second you know he goes up by at least a, a, a round because that's 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 something that the, the edge rushers can attack every single play, so it's it, it's not. Whereas Dillard's pad level is only going to show up occasionally. Taylor's sort of balance issues could be a, an, an every play issue, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, but he uh, to talk about what he's good at, he's, he he has got a lot of natural strength. Um, yeah, he's a he's a big boy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, he is. And I, that that is a, a useful um, thing to to be in the yeah. NFL and to have his actual foot speed is for a 340 pound man his foot speed yeah. is, is very good it's just mm. he needs to use it more effectively because he, he 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 has the speed to cover the speed rushes he just needs to do so in a way that doesn't sacrifice balance yeah and uh, I also think he's got the the same uh arm length as um big armed Greg Little yeah um, they're, 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 they've both got big frames um yeah I, I think he's, I think he's Taylor a bit toolsy. Could, uh, yeah, I, I think Taylor could use his his hands better as a run blocker in particular. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he, you know, he, Taylor is 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 more of a de- developmental type guy. In that there is a lot of natural talent there, but you probably have to put in a bit of work to get the most out of him, because there are there are some technical issues in in, in you. Know, in a way that you know the rest of the guys are going to below us below this. We're going to talk about as well, but but we're now into the bit where you either have to sacrifice athleticism or technique and Hyatt sacrifices athleticism and, and, and Taylor sacrifices technique, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I was definitely surprised to see Hyatt uh, ranked third on your board. So I think Lance Zerline, who I, I have some respect for when it comes to offensive line evaluations, has him as his 17th guard. <laughs> and you I, I, have him as your, your third tackle, which is quite, quite a discrepancy. Yeah. So, so I, I think his his ceiling is definitely limited. I I I think there is this this is one of the issues that, that I, I I I'm continuing to try to work through when you try and give actual final grades on players is how do you balance ceiling versus floor? Yeah. Um. And I just I, his his floor is higher than I think anyone else in this class at tackle. Maybe maybe yeah. Certain certainly yeah. I think his floor is probably the highest. Uh, apart from Dillard and Little, and whilst his ceiling is not as high as really the next sort of five or six guys, that there, all of them have fairly significant issues that are will, that if left unchanged will make them exploitable players at the NFL level. Um, some of them, I mean, there's a guy we're going to talk about, in a, a, the, the guy who I also have in this grouping of three behind the top two is Titus Howard, 
who's the small school guy. Yeah. Um, and, and for him, it's just a more matter of there's not sort of one horrific flaw. He just needs more general development. There are a number of things yeah. that yeah. that his knee bend could be a bit better. Um, he could get his elbows in more consistently. Um, and, you know, he could do with adding a bit more sort of core strength. But there's sort of there's, there's a there's a number of little things he needs to work on. Um, so he's more of a sort of a general developmental prospect, whereas a lot of these guys have sort of one significant issue that if you can fix dramatically increases their value. I mean, some yeah. of them are just athletically limited, but like Juwan Taylor, if you don't fix his slide, he's probably going to struggle to have anything better than a mediocre NFL career. But if yeah. you can fix his slide, then he's probably a significantly above average right tackle, certainly, and probably has a chance of maybe going to play left tackle. So yeah. there's, a, there's a real gap between where they are right now and where they could be. And I, for, for me, I mean... I'm certainly not going to sit, you know, if I was an NFL scout sitting in, in, in a draft room, I would not be banging the table for Hyatt. I just think it, it, it's given the flaws of the players below him, his lack of significant flaw is relatively appealing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I have question marks about um, his ability to handle sp- speed um, from an edge rusher. I don't think his, his kick slide is great. And I think that was somewhat hidden by the, the scheme that Clemson ran. Um, there were very few instances where um, he had to block for significant periods of time, um, and I, I, I think he he lacks core strength as well. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm really not. I, I don't think his yeah his upside isn't much greater than um, his floor. No, no, I think that, 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 that yeah the, no he 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 is not someone who is ever you know if in five years time he was he was a above average NFL tackle I would be somewhat surprised but but just being an average being fairly mediocre at tackle is worth a reasonable grade and actually yeah I think I think, I think this is the thing that I, I mean I I always come back to with tackle is that realistically tackle is often defined as much by the bad plays as the good plays and actually yeah, more so than any other position really it's much better that someone is quite good all of the time than very good 90% of the time and terrible 10% of that time because that 10% terrible can do far more damage than actually being very good is going to be able to do most of the time. Maybe those numbers are a bit, you know, vague, but, 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 but I mean, they've made them off the top of my head, but, but yeah. the, the, the idea that, that it only takes five or six mistakes a game to have a really negative impact that, you know, you can be the perfect pass protector for all but four plays in a game. But if you give up four quick pressures, you know, particularly if they lead to sacks that the quarterback can't get out of, that's completely removed really any value you have as a pass protector if you can't get rid of that. And the issue I have is that whereas I don't think Hyatt will ever be a plus player in many regards, he doesn't make many mistakes. You you tend... It's a bit like... Like Matt Khalil, and I was probably higher on Matt Khalil than most people. In that, you know, I don't think he was great, but apart from some mental areas, errors earlier on, he tended not to make mistakes as much as when someone just bet, beat him. He 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 pretty much had nothing, no ability to stop them. So you know, he he fought. It, it he basically didn't commit mistakes and forced other players to out athlete him, and a decent chunk of the time they won't. And I think that has some value. I, I, I certainly think he has to move to right tackle in the NFL, but I, I yeah, I, I think his his lack of self-generated mistakes is worth a fair amount. Hmm. I'm, I'm I'm still not convinced that he he doesn't make mistakes uh, more so than 
uh, guys you have uh, below him. Um, if we if we talk about Titus Howard uh, quickly, because yeah. you did mention him, um, he he's someone that generally sort of lacks the the polish you look for in a, yeah. in a tackle prospect. But he did go to a small school, yeah, and yeah. his his uh his foot speed's pretty good, uh, and that, that that's quite a rare um thing to find in the offensive tackle prospect. So his his upside's fairly high. Particularly, um, he just needs to do with, a lot of work. Particularly in combination with not horrific knee bend. So that quite often oh, yeah, yeah. see in, in small school guys is that they have sort of these great athletic numbers. They you know they run really fast. They've got good foot speed, and then you watch them on tape, and they're pretty much standing vertically upright. Yeah, yeah. And he do, he doesn't do that, and that is actually really nice yeah. to see that yeah. he does actually bend his knees quite well. Yeah. Um, I don't think I think he's probably his ceiling is that of a very good right tackle. I don't think he's got quite the foot speed to play left in you know, particularly you know you can't. I think there are going to be times where you have to help him with a tight end. I don't think he's got elite foot speed. Um, yeah. But I, I think he's he's far more well-rounded than most sports school players are. I mean, there's a reason why he is the most worked-out prospect this year. I think he's had something like 24 visits. Wow. Um, which is complete. I mean, some of it is because there isn't much tape on him. And you, you know how much he can improve is a significant part of his value. Um, because, you know, players tend to sort of improve at a certain rate and then they just hit, you know, they hit the level of their talent and sort of level off and working out how close he is to that leveling off is quite important. But yeah, no, I, I, I think he could well be one of the nicer players out of this class. I mean, I, I, I you know, he's my number five tackle. I do really like him. Um, I just, th- th- there are enough things he needs to work on that it's quite hard to be overly, in- you know, his ceiling is not so super high that you can look past the things he needs to work on. Yeah. I imagine uh, the reason why, um, he's making his agent the busiest man in America, is uh, because teams want to see how coachable he is. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I mean, I mean that that's the thing with almost all of these guys, who because they all have apart from like people like Hyatt who are just athletically limited, um, the guys who have technical issues, the degree to which they can fix them is so massively important because. If it, you know, quite often with, with offensive tackle play, there are just like these step levels of technique that if you can get, you know, fixing one thing can just take an, a fairly significant increase in your value. So, you know, if if you have a, a tendency to do one thing consistently poorly, if you can get that sorted, that's really important. So so teachability is, is, is for all of these guys, it's going to be really important. Yeah. Um, so the, the guy you have after Titus Howard is, yeah. is someone who's probably well known to, to most uh, college football fans and People yeah. who follow the NFL draft process. That's Jonah Williams, uh, three-year starter at Alabama, yeah. uh, fairly big recruit, and someone who um, was a, a very successful college tackle. Yeah, um, very, very good college tackle. Yeah. Why are you skeptical of him becoming a very good NFL tackle? In short, when he when he goes up against someone who is better than him, his technique completely falls <laughs> apart. Um, so, like he he's he his 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 foot speed is decent but it's not great it's not yeah. amazing yeah and like this is what we're talking about with, like potential guard conversions is that the guys you want to see move to guard are the guys whose technique is fine and when they get against go against better athletes they just get beaten around the edge because they can't cover with them whereas what happens to jonah williams is when he goes against up against someone with better foot speed his technique just goes completely out the window and he just does whatever he can to try and stay in front of them yeah and it leads to some really really ugly reps his weight gets all over his back leg he becomes suddenly incredibly vulnerable to inside moves um his weight gets really high he tends to straighten his legs a lot so as, as soon as a guy is able to get 
to really compete for his outside shoulder, his technique just completely falls apart. And I'm 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 just not sure that's fixable. I I, I he he is he is one of those things where if if he goes against inferior athletes, he's fine. He's a good tackle. And if it you know if he, if you knew he was never going to be out athleted at the NFL level, you'd yeah. probably have a much higher grade than him. But just the the degree to which his technique just completely falls apart against superior athletes is really concerning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think and, he he he'll be a better guard than tackle, but he's not going to get drafted high if the team thinks he can only be a guard. And then there's also the fact that, so I, I, I think that that is true, but then there's also the bit that he is not so technically well-rounded at, at, at tackle that you're just confident of him immediately transitioning to guard. So the, the, yeah. like, we're talking about the guys earlier who made, who, who you know, as I went, I mean, I missed all the last season, but the guys who you think are going to be really good tackle conversions like Zach Martin, they're just, they were guys who were just technically so together in college. Mm. And there are oh, enough yeah, yeah. flaws with Jonah that he tends to lean into blocks. His hand usage could be better in terms of locating inside. His pad level is quite high a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that there's he also tends to get his feet really close together, which means he's really easy to push all over the place because his central gravity suddenly goes really high. Uh, so he's not not just in terms of his knee bend. He also tends to narrow his frame a lot. Um, yeah. It's it's a shame because he is he was a, a really good college player. It's just that it's hard to see him surviving at tackle at the NFL level, particularly against better athletes. And uh, unless you, you interview him and you suddenly think he's really coachable and actually he was really served badly at, at Alabama. But I, I just, I, I'm, I don't think you can just trust that that's the case. And also if he does move at guard, he's a 295 pound guard um, without elite technique. And it's, it's, it's just, it's hard to see, Whatever you do with him, there's a fairly significant gap between where he is and where he needs to be. Mm. And actually, he, he's the fact that he you're talking the, the fact that people are talking about him as a potential guard conversion when he doesn't really fit the classical mold of what a tackle to guard conversion is. I think is quite troubling. Yeah, I I, I think he's he's stronger than the the 295 pounds suggests. But, yeah, but yes, listening yes. to you has has sort of uh, made me think about Jonah Williams a bit more because I, I I think you are in general quite right um, and you're someone who I, I consider fairly highly but I'm, I'm starting to have second thoughts now it's, it's one of those things where it, it's the, the issue you get with offensive linesmen sometimes is that the actual the end resulting player is not as good as the sum of his parts where it's like playing tackle. I don't know whether this is a thing in America, so this might be a reference that nobody gets at all. Is but do you ever play that game as a kid where you have to sort of rub your stomach and tap your head at the same time? Yeah. And tackles like playing playing offensive line in the NFL is like that, where you have to do a number of things that aren't particularly difficult, but you have to do them all together well at the same time. Yeah. And and he just he's fine when he's playing at a certain difficulty, but it's almost like someone says speed up because the the, the guy, and, and, and just as soon as he's off to speed up, it just all falls apart. And it, it's, it, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, I think he could be a good guard. I just don't think there's enough on tape to make me sure he's going to be a good guard. And generally, the, the, the what, I don't know. Maybe he might be a good guard. There's just, a, there's, there's a lot of technique he needs to work on if he's going to be a guard. Yeah. Um, here's the real question. Can you rub your stomach and tap your head and do a podcast at the same time? 
I think I probably can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. <laughs> I had a lot of free time as a child. Yeah, I was uh, I was pretty bad at that, so I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you're, you're a drummer as well, though, right? So yeah, you... yeah. So I'm used to trying to. Yeah, it's. I mean, that, that was the other analogy I was going to use. Is it's like it's like having to use all four limbs independently, and and yeah. like he just just as soon as you ask him to try and do it, it just just one thing just it just doesn't all come together. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. I. I, I do. It's one of those things where you, you do like you do feel bad because he was a good college player. Like he, he you know, but I just don't. I I think the NFL, the gap in in athletics, the gap in athletic talent might just be too much for him. Yeah. Anyway, should we talk about another few guys quickly? Yeah. Uh, so Chuma Doga is the guy you've got next up. Uh, yeah. Out of USC. Um, what do you think about his game? So I think he's he's got a pretty decent foot speed. Um, I yeah. think his hand usage is is pretty good in pass protection, at least initially. Um, I do have some some things he needs to work on technically. I think he's more of the developmental side. I think he could do with you know if the Panthers don't take a tackle in the first two and a bit rounds, say, yeah, he's somebody you could draft. I don't know, mid late third round and sit for a year and yeah. be the guy who comes in and starts if Williams walks in a year's time. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't think he's a plug and play guy. Uh, he needs to work on some of his weight distribution in his slide, and also he has a tendency that after he um. After his initial sort of uh, hand contact in pass protection, he tends to then drop his arms quite a bit, um, which then exposes his frames and kind of undoes all the work he's then done to that point. So I think he needs to be a bit more disciplined in his arm sort of positioning. Mm. Um, uh, I, I don't think he's, his ceiling is that of an elite player, but he does do a lot of nice things. I know there are some people around the NFL who are quite high on him. Um, I think yeah, he, he, I quite like his uh, his work in the run game. I think he's yeah. one of the better uh, run blockers in this uh, tackle class. Yeah, no, no, I, I think he's there's, there's a lot to like. I just don't. I, I it's one of those things where he he's not, he's not polished enough that you're not going to say he's a plug and play guy and his ceiling's not that of sort of an elite tackle. So he sort of the combination of the two drops his value a bit. But I think you know I've got a sort of an early mid fourth round grade. I do I do really like him as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to uh, quickly talk about Dalton Risner because uh, yeah, he's someone that's... who might go in the first round and you're not quite as high on him as yeah, the general no, he, consensus. He, he... He, he's a bit similar to Jonah Williams. I think they're they're quite similar players in in, in my mind at least, in yeah. that they're they're actually pretty good. I don't, I don't I think Risner's technique isn't as good as as Williams even on the good plays, but um, when they just get their they're just not athletic enough that they're going to be able to match up with all with all players. Um, yeah. I think Risner's pad level is consistently quite poor. I think that's the that's the big you know the the biggest every play concern is that he does he really needs to bend his knees a lot more yeah. and to, people talking about moving him to guard that would be my big concern that his pad level is just going to lead him to get jacked up if he doesn't fix it yeah um yeah but then when you get to his slide um he just when he gets against guys who can who are basically more athletic than he is he loads weight onto his back leg again he gets quite high um his balance is because he's then high and sort of all his momentum's going back with his balance is then a bit troubling um, mm-hmm. And although his hand usage, I think, is actually really quite good, um, it just isn't able to make up for for the, for the athletic foot speed limitations against better pass rushers. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it, it's he could probably come into the NFL and be okay on a team. It's just he's I don't think he's ever going to be anything other than a guy you look to replace. If that makes sense. Yeah. The the combination of lack of foot speed and uh, high pad level could be could be the kicker. I think he'll yeah. he. You could very well end up being a above average tackle in the in the run game. Yeah, no, he's, he's quite good at that. But the the pass pro, um, yeah, in in general, his technique is quite good. But he does have a tendency to lunge, and and a lot of that might stem from 
his his lack of uh, bending of the knees and hip flexibility. Yeah, I, I think I think he actually did a pretty good job of recovering. Like his his sort of avoiding the worst case scenario ability is quite impressive. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. but, but he but gets he, it done. Despite yeah, his, you know, his limitations yeah. at the college level, it's just a question of whether or not he can do that in the NFL as well. The, the amount of time he spent having to recover at the college level, bearing in mind he wasn't going against the best pass rushes all the time, is is quite troubling. Like he got he got beaten a lot. He was just very good at recovering. And the issue is that if you get beaten a lot in college, you're going to get beaten a lot in the NFL, and it's going to be harder to recover in the NFL because the guys are going to be faster and stronger. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah I. I he, again, he's a guy who might have a chance at guard, but even if he does move to guard, there are some real technical things you have to work on in terms of his pad level. Oh yeah, I I, I feel um, I feel more comfortable projecting Jonah Williams to guard than um, yeah than Risner. Yeah, his pad level is just really concerning if you want to do that because because inside pad level is really really important, particularly yeah. in the run game. You're, you're just going to and the pass game really. You, you're just going to get driven backwards and jacked up. Yep. Yeah. Um, and let's let's quickly mention Caleb McGarry because he's someone who. Uh, some mock drafts of going in the first round. But I think he's your 17th tackle or something six, like six, that. Six, 16th, I think. 16th. Um, I do not see the value in Caleb McGarry. I, I just... So his first two or three steps in pass pro are fine. But he really does not bend his hips at all. His yeah. knee bend is very poor and his hand usage is very poor. Yeah. And so if you ask him to pass set anything other than a three-step drop, he really struggles. Um, I just I I can't see him succeed in the NFL. I might, I, you know, I might be wrong. He might be way better than 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 I, I think. But his 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 knees to his his sort of waist is just really really poor. Yeah. It, 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 the number of times he just got completely beaten outside, even at the college level, was 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 really worrying. Yeah, it was it was really quite bad. Um, very apparent, I think, that he. If he has a future in the NFL, it'll probably be at guard. He's a, he's a bit of a weird player, so he's six foot seven, but he has really tiny arms. Um, so smaller than any player we've mentioned thus far. Okay. Um, and he tested really well at the combine, even though he cannot protect the edge whatsoever. No. Um, I, I mean, I, I might just like be tempted to stick him at guard and, and see what happens because I I can't really picture it. Yeah. Because um, he, he does have some some. Uh, value in terms of that athletic ability yeah he um, moves really well in space he's a really yeah, good yeah, player yeah. in space it's yeah. just it's not worth drafting a tackle because they can pull really well yeah yeah, um, yeah i really don't understand the first round hype as clearly you don't either <laughs> no I, I just look through my notes for him and two of them are hand usage allows defenders into his frame too easily at times which bringing him on his arms are tiny makes a lot of sense yeah and also slide breaks down too easily giving way to chaos which yeah. i think is the only way of describing it is that when, when he gets beaten out you know it just it just doesn't have the foot speed and he doesn't have the bend. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. He, he's every now and then there are players who just go way way too high. I mean, Colton Miller did last year. I mean, Colton Miller was a better prospect. Don't get me wrong, but it's the same mm. thing where the testing numbers were just way better than the actual player on tape. Um, yeah. And yeah, you, you can't you can't just reach based on testing numbers. That that's. Not without a real expectation that the guy has the ability to improve with coaching. Um, and Washington are... A, you can't just go big school, small school, but if he was coming out of some tiny, tiny college, you might look at the um, the, 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 the the testing numbers more favourably. But, yeah, he, he's technically... You know, he, 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 it's hard to see him succeeding. Yeah. 
Anyway, stranger things have happened. Stranger um, things have happened. Yeah, not many, but but there are stranger things. I can't um, wait for the Seahawks to draft him. <laughs> a Feddy 2.0. Um, yeah. Right, shall we take a bit of a break and we'll come back yeah. and we'll talk about interior offensive linesmen? Yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Bye for yeah. now. Bye. What's up, guys? Dan here from the Keep Pound End podcast, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. This week, trip from Panther Store sits down with us, now just a few weeks out from Nashville, as we touch upon some draft hat shade from New Era, what really went wrong with the AAF, draft plans for the Panthers, and is this the year they really need to start looking at a quarterback? Subscribe to, listen to, and watch the podcasts over on theriotreport.com, and we'll see you guys next week. Hello and welcome back to the Offensive Line episode of the Great British Drafting Show. Um, so it's me, Dan Cresso, and Vincent Richardson's with me. Hello. Um, so we've just uh, talked about offensive tackles. Now we're ready to move on to the interior offensive line. Um, yep. I think we should probably start with guards. Yeah, yeah, so that. Um, that, that. That seems to be more of a, uh, a concern for the, the Panthers uh, anyway and as a natural progression from tackle to guard to center. Yep. Um, so number one is Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College. Yeah. Um, why, why is he your number one? And do you think there's a, uh, a decent separation between him and the next guy? Um, so no, I think, I think the top, top three for me are, are all relatively close. Um, I think Lindstrom is the best in my sort of opinion. I, I think he, he's not perfect. Um, but I think he's technically really quite well-rounded he's not amazing at anything but doesn't have any sort of real clear flaws yeah um, yeah his pad level could be a bit better but i think he's he's probably the the most well-rounded player in this class possibly even at guard or tackle even if he doesn't have the upside of, of some of the other players so i've got uh, i think a, a mid to late second round grade in him yeah he has very few flaws um it, we were talking about offensive line sort of being the absence of of bad plays and yeah. there are very few bad plays from his. I think the only real times I saw him get beat often was when he had to play tackle because he hasn't got the um, kind of a, the sliding ability. Um, yeah. But that's not an issue if he's playing inside. Um, he's, he's, he's a very good athlete as well. Um, he's pretty good yeah. in, in space. Um, yeah, there's, there's very little not to like about him, but at the same time, I wasn't really watching him and going, oh my God, this guy. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's hard to see him being an elite player. He's just pretty well. Right. He, he'll probably be. He's he's got a fairly high floor, and he's 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 a, he'd probably be a good player from day one. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a little bit hard to see him going to the Panthers, if only because he'd probably be he'd, well, he'd almost certainly be a reach at sixteen, and it's yeah. not totally clear he'll make it to forty-seven. And even if he does, yeah. depending on what the Panthers do in the first, it might be quite hard for them to to then take a guard as well in 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 the second. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, my only concern with him is that he does get a little bit high at times. I think he is a little bit vulnerable to sort of more powerful pass rushers who just look to drive him backwards. But even that's not a, a massive flaw. Um, yeah, he, he's quite hard to, to find anything to really dislike about him. But he's also not someone who you're going to stop watching and think, you know, this guy's great. You know, he's not someone who gets too excited. No. Uh, yeah, I think very few guards do for me personally. It's, it's it's more just the general appreciation for kind of a, the craft and uh, what yeah. players do well. So it's only when like someone pancakes someone or really drives them back in a run game, you're like, oh yes, 
Gabe, Gabe Jackson had some pretty good plays at oh, yeah, yeah, State yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there were a few. Trey Turner was pretty good as well. Uh, yeah. but Gabe Jackson was just a monster. Who was that guy who played at Fordham a few years ago? Who, who didn't, you know, didn't oh, work out? Oh, yeah, so, I remember. Um, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Garrick Mayweather, was it? Perhaps. Yeah. He was the nastiest. Like, he, look, this is a massive tangent now, but he was yeah. one of those plays. He didn't get drafted. He was a UDFA, but there were more plays where he was not on the screen by the end of it in the run game than I think I've ever seen from an offensive. <laughs> he just he just spent his days like he would actively run out of his way to look for yeah. contact. He was a complete nutter on tape. He, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd see him like flying at linebackers on screens that were nowhere near the play just because he wanted to hit people. That was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, generally guards aren't the most exciting to watch. But actually, it's it's really nice appreciating what they do well. Yeah, uh, uh, and it's just definitely one of those guys. Yes, yeah. Um, to talk about number two quickly. Yep, go on. Uh, so Cody Ford's my number two, who some people have got a first round grade on, but I'm I'm not that high. Okay. I, I think he's got good power. He he he's got a higher ceiling than Lindstrom. I think he could be he could be a better player, but there mm-hmm. are some things he needs to fix. Um, yep. One is that he needs to bring his elbows in a lot more in pass protection. Great. Um, some of which, because he played tackle as well, so that it, 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 some of that might be an issue related to that in terms of him having to compensate for balance and stuff. But the major one is he just plays so, so high. And, I mean, this is something that Oklahoma tackles have done for years, and I have no oh, idea yeah. why they're going to do it, but because they all basically just play standing up. Like, he's, he's not as bad in this regard as um, the guy who went to the Ravens last year, who's I'm now blanking on. Uh, um, yeah, I'm blanking as well. The really big guy. Um, yeah, Zeus is his nickname, but I can't remember what it's actually called. Um, but yeah, it, 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 he's not as bad in, in, in terms of his lower legs, his lower body even, but his, he basically plays standing vertically upright, and that yeah. cre- creates issues in terms of leverage, which he largely gets around by the fact that he's incredibly powerful, but he won't be able oh, yeah. to worry about the NFL. But also, it, his change of direction really struggles in space. He can't locate blocks because he's reaching down to everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want him pulling, really. No, you need him to bend his legs quite a bit more. Um, and I, I think he could he could be the best guard in this class if he fixes that. But he, whereas Lindstrom is very well rounded, he's probably better at what he does well, but has more flaws. So um, I'm guessing the reason you have him listed as a guard and not as a tackle is uh, because of the the lack of foot speed yeah well, yes and and the the fact that his pad level is so poor that i i don't think he's ever i just i i don't think you can fix the issues with his pad level completely i just think in at guard you can mitigate some of them so where... if you're to yeah if you're to to slot him uh on your on your tackle board where do you reckon he would go as uh, a, as a tackle as a tackle um i really thought about that maybe fourth round he'd be lower as a tackle somewhere somewhere mm. somewhere around reisner yeah um so somewhere like between jonah williams and, and, and reisner yeah okay no. and then uh vice versa if uh if you had jonah williams or, or reisner on the guard board would they be ahead of cody ford no no okay no i mean i mean reisner i think's pad level right reisner has the same issue as ford he just doesn't do the good things as well he hasn't got uh, as much power in his game yeah yeah but his pad level's still bad um yeah. and I, williams is a really hard one because he tends to lean into contact even at tackle against defensive ends mm-hmm. yeah and I, I i think he he runs the risk of really struggling 
for physicality inside. Yeah. Um, and again, he's not a guard at the moment, so that's something you can work on. But I, I yeah, I, I think Williams would probably be my fourth rated guard, probably. Yeah. Probably something like mid fourth round. He'd, he'd be pretty close with McNeil, um, who we'll get to in a bit. But um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the thing with Williams is that it's not like moving him side to guard suddenly massively increases his value. I, th- I think that's that's the that's the concern. But yeah, no, Ford, yeah. Ford, Ford, Ford does his good things well. Um, mm. It's just his his bad things are really bad. Yeah. Um, but there aren't that many of them, so there is there is a bit of, of mitigation in that regard. Um, yeah. And number three, I've got Michael Dieter from Wisconsin, who I've got another. Yeah. You know, both both those guys have got third round grades on. Um, and again, he does some things. Um, pretty well but does play with definitely a bit of a forward lean and also plays uh, yeah. quite high yeah. so like, again there are things to work you know both both Dieter and Ford do their good things better than Lindstrom they just have more flaws um, and I think that lowers them for me relatively but all three of them I think are somewhere between mid second and mid third round prospects yeah uh, which in this class makes them probably more like late first round <laughs> late second round prospects um, but yeah I don't think either I don't, I, th- I think Ford and Dieter have the best chances of being very good players, but I, I, I think they're all probably going to be pretty solid players at the next level. Yeah. Um, just quickly on Ford, how does he compare as a prospect to Daryl Williams when he was coming out of Oklahoma? Um, so I didn't watch that much of Williams because it was actually quite a while ago. Um, yeah. I, I think Williams has better knee bend. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not vastly dissimilar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Williams might be a bit bigger as well. Um. Yeah, possibly. But Williams is, I mean, one of the issues with Daryl Williams is that his stance tells you what the play is because he has to set up completely differently for passing snaps as running snaps. And of course, there's yeah. some play action in that as well. But but yeah, I, I think they both have quite fixed hips, which are a bit of an issue. Um, and both... Uh, both are going to be. I mean, Daryl Williams struggles with inside moves at times, uh, and I, I, I think Ford would do if he played a tackle quite a bit. But yeah. I think a guard that that probably mitigates some of that. Yeah. Um, but there are obviously pan level things to work out there. As, as you know, one of the things that people have talked about is the Panthers draft a tackle is move, moving Daryl Williams to compete at left guard, and I think that would be fine. But you would also have to work with some of the pad level issues. Yeah. Because he's used to playing a tackle, and it, you, you can get away with playing higher at tackle than you can at guard. Yeah. Um, um, I think I agree with that. Um. And yeah, Dita, as you mentioned, is the guy that um, does good things well in that he he does play with power. Um, yeah. He, he's given that he's a Wisconsin offensive linesman, it's not surprising that he's pretty good in the in the run game. Um, I think his hand use is actually pretty good in the pass protection as well. I think it's mm. just his um, his pad levels a bit concerning. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, the guy you have after him is uh, Lucas McNeil, who yeah. um, I reckon probably has, has similar issues with uh, Dieter and Ford in that he's not the the quickest of guys, but he's um, he's someone who who is a, a big body um, yeah, and can bring I, power. I don't think McNeil was actually that powerful, but I think he's probably, mm. his pad level's better than Dieter and Ford's. Um, it's not, it, it, it does, yeah, it's, a bit yeah. incons- it's a bit inconsistent, but it isn't. Whereas Ford and, and Dieter both play consistently quite high, McNeil... McNeil's is generally quite good, but does get a bit high at times. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, it, it's so McNeil is probably more in the Lindstrom camp of being just technically quite well-rounded. I just think he's not an amazing athlete. So yeah. 
for the Panthers, he might make quite a bit of sense as a depth point of view in that he's probably going to be around on day three and offers you a baseline of just technically well-rounded but athletically not amazing depth. Um, and there are some guys below him who will talk about who have the potential to be better players, but I think McNeil's a bit like the Hyatt version of tackle where, although they're not amazing athletes, they're just pretty solidly well-rounded right now. Um, McNeil especially, I think, is 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 pretty well-rounded technically. He's got very few technical flaws. He's just not particularly athletic. Yeah, he he, he struggles with quicker um, defensive tackles. Well, yeah. One thing I noticed as well is he, he seems to uh, struggle picking up blitzes. I don't mean in the sort of uh, the centre way where you ascertain pre-snap. Yeah. But sort of... Um, he just seems to give up if um, someone's blitzing him late, and part of that might be because he he knows he won't be able to to, to reach them in time. I, it's it's difficult to tell whether or not he he doesn't see them or if he just reckons yeah, it's I'm, not I'm, worth it. I think that's probably something you have to probe in interviews, really. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he 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 is. There are going to be guys who you know he's not ever going to be a, a great guard, but he's a pretty solid guy. I think I've got like a mid fourth round grade on him. There's a, there's a reasonable gap between Dieter and McNeil for me. Um, yeah, I think I've yeah, like a mid. Yeah, yeah. mid I, yeah, I might even have a high fourth. I can't remember, but, but there, there, there's a reasonable gap between those two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to move on now to the person who's playing right next to Greg Little. It was yeah. Javon Patterson, who yeah. um, I'm guessing was let down in a similar way by the, the Ole Miss scheme. Even if it means less for a guard than for a tackle. Yeah, he, he uh, was. Your quarterback is... Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, I found a play on the tape where Greg Little reach-blocked Quinn and Williams. And I, that was just something I didn't think I'd ever see. So <laughs> it, it was it was really impressive. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was third, third, but it was third and one, and they're running an inside triple trap with a tackle trying to reach-block Quinn and Williams. And it, it, it's, it's just, it really isn't a scheme that was good for offensive linesmen. But yeah. but yeah, I think Patson does a lot of nice things. He's very much in the camp of there's one thing he does consistently poorly that you have to, you know, realistically, you really have to fix if you're an offensive line yeah. coach um I, 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 like his he, he plays with a really distinct forward lean a lot of the time in both pass pro and and as a run blocker and it, it's him leaning his whole body into contact um yeah. and and that that's that is why i don't have a higher grade in him but he does he does a lot of nice things otherwise like he's got good foot speed he uses his hands oh, yeah. well oh yeah, yeah all that stuff it's just his lean is really concerning for his lean is he's just got such short arms that to to get to um, the defensive lineman before they get to him in terms of applying contact with his hands, um, he needs to lean to be able to make up for uh, the lack of arm length. And yeah. he, he he doesn't have any power um, in his hands, like it's sort of yeah, sort of he, he needs pillow he hands if that makes sense. Um, I think he might be a better center than a guard if he can snap the ball, which, you know, I have no idea about, but he, 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 he's a very good mover, um, and yeah. plays with good leverage and in, in general is quite, uh, in more of a technically refined player. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I actually, I, I really liked him. It was just watching him. You're going like, well, he's great apart from this one really troubling tendency. I mean, yeah. we, we, we talked about this a bit earlier, but, but like, I think the thing with leaning into blocks is that, that, that I think the arm length thing is definitely not untrue. And I think mm-hmm. there's also a bit where, as as a he was a, he's a little bit on the small side uh, yeah. for a guard um, yeah. and just sometimes when there's an impact coming guys he also does play a little bit high at times and as a smaller guy who doesn't have exceptional pad level 
um, sometimes he just, he, in order to get his body low to mitigate the impact, he has to just lower, bend from the, you know, because he doesn't bend amazingly with his knees, he has to then bend with his waist. And that yep. leads to, to, you know, that's quite often the thing you see with, with guys who lean is it's, it's, it's where they bend as much as, as anything else. Um, yep. But yeah, no, he does he does a lot of nice things well if he can fix that or if you yep. can find a way to mitigate that in a scheme. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk quickly about Ben Powers? Um, yeah, I can do. Um, I think he, again, has got... Uh, he, he He's effectively just a, a bit of a worse version of Cody Ford in that he doesn't, you know... He's pretty good. His foot speed is actually pretty good, and he uses his hands quite well. And he's got decent power, but again, pad level's really high, and has yeah. this tendency to get his arms really wide. Um, mm-hmm. That's really the biggest thing for me is that he needs to keep his elbows in a lot more because he just exposes his frame a lot. Um, but again, does a lot of nice things. There's just a couple of things he really has to work on. I think I think that's the real thing with this guard class. Is there's a lot of guys who do a, a number of reasonably nice things, but there aren't many. But there are, a lot of them have like one or two things they really need to work on, and that fixing would would significantly change their value if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then moving on down the board, yeah, uh, you've got Nate Davis. Yeah, from Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so local guy. Yeah, I, I, I it's because someone mentioned him quite early on in the process, and I went and looked at him, and, and you know, I quite liked him, and I. I so he, he played tackle last year, but I think he played guard in 2017. But it's quite odd getting any tape of that. Um, mm. but he was someone that watching him at tackle, you immediately thought he'd benefit from a move to guard. So he, he's, oh, yeah. you know, if you talk about the guys who, 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 who are logical guard conversions, he was one of those guys where he just didn't have the foot speed. Um, yeah. and, and that moving him inside should mitigate that because his foot speed is actually good for a guard. It's just not good for a tackle. Um, but he's got good power, good foot speed. Um, his pad level is pretty decent. Um, but, uh, he does need to work on his hand usage. I think that's the that's that'll be the biggest thing moving inside to yeah. guard. But but yeah. the biggest issue with him at tackle was that he had to load weight onto his back leg to to cover speed rushers, and that just that shouldn't be an issue in pass protection because you're playing with a much straighter frame, so you tend to not be have a disparity in power between the two legs. It tends to be much sort of more yeah. direct blocking. So yeah, I, I I think he could be a good player with a year's development. Certainly if he's there in the fourth or fifth, he's oh, a good yeah. pick for Panthers. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, he, he he's a guy who needs to sit for a bit and develop. But um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I actually I actually really like him. I just I, you just it, uh, there are just a couple of things he needs to work on. Um, mm. You know, similar to some of the guys above him, just he's also um, coming from a bit of a small school background. So maybe he, you know, you do have a bit more faith that he could develop quite quickly with coaching. But again, you can't take that for granted. Yeah, yeah, I think he he will definitely be a solid pickup in the in the mid rounds. Yeah. Um, and then Nate Herbig, um, is that someone that you would want the Panthers um, I to draft? Or I, I mean, I, I I quite liked him at Stanford in that he he is an inc- he's, he's a powerful man. I mean, he's a mm. three hundred and fifty pound guard. He should be, but yeah. um, he just he, his foot speed isn't very good. Um, yeah. You know, if if it's fourth and one and you want to move some people, he's he's definitely got a role. Um, but. Yeah, he he's, he needs his arms are, are pretty poor in pass protection. Uh, he, he he does not move well. Um, yep. he, he yeah, he's just athletically limited, and his pad level isn't great. But um, I've got like a high fifth round grade in him. Um, uh, he's I don't think you'd ever want him to start, but uh, there there will be teams like particularly power run teams will will will, will value his his ability in the in the run game enough to have him as a as a depth piece. Yeah, um, I'm not sure he's a Panthers. Makes sense a huge amount of sense to the Panthers, but um, but yeah, no, I, I think he, you know what he does, he does well. 
It's just he's athletically limited otherwise. Yeah. Um, for, for someone who's 350 pounds, um, the ball rush was surprisingly effective against him. Yeah, um, it's his pad level. It, yeah. it, it's, it's, all, it's all the lack of bend in his knees. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very difficult for someone to uh, have good 350 pounds, if that makes sense, for it sort of be put together. But he, like, he really does, his body does seem sloppy. Um, he, he's yeah. just, yeah, he's, um, he's, I don't think he's as strong as you'd want someone that size to be. And no, he, he needs to lose if you can get him to slim down, then um, his agility issues won't be as horrific. But I don't, I don't think they're there. I, I think they're still not going to be great. Yeah. Um, J- Jerry Tillery absolutely obliterated him. And oh, yeah, don't get yeah. me wrong, Jerry Tillery is possibly the best interior pass rusher in this class. But And it's a good class. And it's a good class. Like, Jerry Tillery is a very good interior pass rusher. But but he absolutely obliterated Herbig yeah. um, in ways that someone who is 50 pounds lighter than you should not do. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think he'll ever be a good guard, but he has, he has depth value. Yeah. Um, the uh, other guy, yeah. 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 To talk about Udo. Yeah, that um, was the guy I was going to talk about. From Elon, who's the other guy, who, again, is a very small school guy. And there are, again, he's one. That, he's a bit similar to um, to the Alabama State guy, Titus Howard, in that there are a number of little things he needs to work on rather than being any kind of one catastrophic issue. Um but yeah, he shows a lot of nice things. He just needs to work on a lot of things developmentally. You know, he does. He needs to bend his knees a bit more. He needs to keep his elbows inside more. He needs to sort of keep his weight over his feet a bit more. But but none of which are catastrophically poor. There's just a lot of things that he needs to be better at. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think his um, his hand placement in the in the passing game is is probably the worst I've seen um, this year. It's definitely better than yeah. It's definitely better as a run blocker. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how how deep into the class you've watched in some cases, but there there were yeah. some pretty there were some pretty poor bits of hand usage, I must say. Oh no, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Did you watch Lester Cotton at all? I did not. His hands are a mess. They they really are. They they they. Are, I mean, he's probably going to go undrafted for a reason, but they are yeah. absolutely all over the place. Um, yeah, but yes, no, no. Who, who, who does hand usage? Just need particularly as a pass protector needs work. Yeah. Um, do do you think he's got a future at tackle, or is is he solely a guard going forward? I think he's probably a guard. I, I yeah. think he might be able to get away with tackle. He, he's probably the guy who you play at guard, knowing that if you have an absolute injury catastrophe at tackle, you can play him at right tackle, and the world won't end. But yeah, he has more value at guard. I think. Um, yeah, I think I think he has more value at guard than he does at tackle. Which guard, if you play them at right tackle, will make the world end then? Um, I think Dieter would get pretty smashed. Um, McNeil would get a, a McNeil. You just yeah. run around. You just yeah. have the feet. Yeah. Um, Herbig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play play Herbig at right tackle. See if that goes well. I mean, yeah. I, to be fair, a lot of these guys could sort of go out there, like like you know, Trey Turner went out and played right tackle for the Panthers in twenty sixteen. Yeah. When it when, when the world fell apart. Um. <laughs> and he wasn't catastrophic, but most most guards are playing guard for a reason. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, then again, the Cowboys spent last season playing a guard at tackle and a tackle at guard. So, you know, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Um, 
it was really strange watching it going like can you not see that your your, your guard is undersized and your tackle is struggling for foot speed but if you swap them around that maybe that might solve the problem but yeah um yeah most uh, realistically there there isn't some sort of fundamental difference between guard and tackle and there are some guys who definitely need to play one not the other but but the, the guys who play tackle and people are, set, are viewing as guards in some cases, they might be able to play tackle, but they're generally being projected to guard because they don't have the foot speed. That that generally tends to be why they get projected to guard is because they don't have the foot speed. Yeah, um, it's, I don't think there's ever been uh, a guy that's transitioned from from guard in college to tackling the NFL. Uh, I can't I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head. I no. think there have been guys that played guard. So I think um, did either. Obwehi or Fedi played guard for a bit, but then moved to tackle because if Fedi played guard, Texas A&M was stacked. Um, I think that was what was so concerning about Fedi was that he was so technically poor coming out of a college that had produced multiple technically well-rounded players. Was that despite despite playing for Texas A&M in their prime offensive line days, his hand usage was a mess. Yeah, that was not that was that was a really poor pick. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I can't think of any guys who've gone from guard to tackle at the NFL. Uh, I mean, the Panthers tried it. They they played Marn at um, uh, tackle a couple of times in the preseason, um, but that's not something I think they want to do going forwards. Yeah, and he yeah, he did play tackle a bit in college as well. Um, yeah, I can't think of any guys who've been specialist guards at college and, and then played tackle. There, yeah. there probably is someone somewhere, but. Not in in recent memory. Uh, yeah, and there's a there's a reason for for that. <laughs> yeah. Then, then again, there are some colleges that make that, you know, like Florida um, this year playing uh, Taylor at right tackle rather than left when they had um, was it Montez Ivy at left tackle? Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely not as good. And like yeah. Tennessee for years playing Jerron Taylor at right tackle when they had um, uh, was it Henderson they had a left tackle? Can't remember. Yeah, Jerron James at. No, right, right. Tackle and, uh, yeah. Left tackle was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Seandra Hansen. It was um, no. someone else who really, really couldn't move. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can see him. He had a, yeah, large guy. But yeah, I mean, yeah. So there, there's you can't always guarantee that colleges have done the smart thing, but generally, generally, it's it's a move inside when guys don't have the foot speed at the NFL level. Yeah, yeah. Should we talk about centers? Yeah, let's. Um, number one, Connor McGovern. Um, yeah, why is he number one? So I think for me the top two are really close together. Um, him and Elgin Jenkins, who I've got second, I've, mm-hmm. I've sort of they're right on the board between second and third round. I, I think McGovern's hand usage as a run blocker is just a bit better than Jenkins, but otherwise they're actually like they're actually very similar players as well. I don't think they're they're vastly different um, in terms of play style either. Um, okay. I mean, they're, they're not obviously not exactly the same, um, and neither of them are perfect. But I think McGovern is pretty well rounded. Uh, there are some things he could do better. Um, he could bend his knees a bit more. Uh, also, McGovern wasn't really asked to play in space, which if you, if you want your centre to play in space a lot, he didn't. He didn't do it badly. He just didn't do it. So yeah. that that would be a concern um, if, if if you if you really want to do that. But uh, I think he's got good foot speed. Um, his actual his power's pretty good, and his hand placement like wh- when he gets his elbows in his hand placement's actually really good yeah um both in pass pro and as a run blocker I, I don't, again i don't think he'll ever be an elite player but he's pretty well rounded uh jenkins is similar the only difference 
is that he's probably a bit more powerful um, and probably is a little bit better in space. Although, again, he wasn't asked to do that loads either. Yeah. Um, the biggest issue I have with, with Jenkins compared to McGovern is that Jenkins really does struggle getting his elbows in. And whilst McGovern is not perfect in this regard, Jenkins is actively bad. And that yeah, shows yeah. up a lot as a run blocker where he's he's got a good hand placement inside. It's just his elbows are bent and he's basically trying to push the guy with his shoulders because the guy is right in his face because he, he his arms are completely, you know, contained to his chest. Um, yeah. And that results because he doesn't get his elbows in. And so he's, a lot of the, the force gets absorbed by his arms going wide. Um, if he can fix that, then I think he probably he probably has the highest ceiling of the guys in this class. But um, yeah, I, I, Jen, Jen, Jenkins, it's, it, that's really, for me, the gap between him and McGovern is, 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 yeah. is, his, is his arm usage. But again, they're both good players. I have very similar grades on them, and that's really the only difference between them. Um, and then Garrett Bradbury, who I have a bit lower, again, does a lot of nice things, but has two distinct issues um, that, that make it hard for me to be really enthusiastic about him. Um, he does not bend his knees really at all um, and tends to lean into blocks heavily. And I know he, he, he's another guy who doesn't have particular <laughs> arms, which does... You all right? Yeah, sorry, a bit of a cough. No, that's all right. Um, again, does sort of go into your theory of guys with sort of shorter arms having to lean into blocks, but yeah. he, 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 he plays quite high and consistently leans. And I think... The people who talk about him being a zone specialist are definitely correct in that he'd be better in a zone scheme. Oh, yeah. But that's more because that's trying to hide his weaknesses rather than because it suddenly improves his strengths. And he does, you know, good athlete, does a lot of nice things well, but that lack of knee bend and the tendency to lean into blocks is quite troubling and does and does lead to some real issues at times. Like, he's, he, he allows a relatively lot... Like, He's a very good finisher in terms of he ends up pancaking a lot, but he also allows a lot of interior penetration. Yeah. Um, and that's for, that's going to be a real issue in his own scheme as well, because if you suddenly, you know, yes, he's got gap control, but the gap is suddenly five yards into the backfield. Can you know, That is an issue, particularly for a centre as opposed to, say, a tackle who can just seal the edge. I think Bradbury, there's a good chance either him or the defensive tackle end up on the floor. Yes, yeah, um, he ends up on the floor a lot. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Touching on Jenkins, I think he's probably got more core strength than um, McGovern. Yeah, uh, I think he, he hasn't got the same movement skills that that McGovern does. So even if you didn't really see McGovern that much in space, what you did see and just the general um, ability to really to good. slide is yeah, it, that that's really good. Um, oh. So th- there's there's a little bit of difference there, um, but they are fairly similar. And and yeah, Bradbury is. Um, yeah, you're gonna to want to put him in zone because he his movement skills are very good. Um, I think another impressive thing is he he just seems very aware in terms of when to kind of move off a block. Um, yeah, no, it, both the, in the, the run game and the pass game. The the mental side of his game appears at least from tape to be really good, yeah. um, and that does make up for a lot of stuff. And don't get me wrong, like, I, I'm aware that, that 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 is an important part, but it's quite hard to. I'm not aware that McGovern and Jenkins are bad, and so I, I although although oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. it's something I value those. It, it, it's not something that shows up negatively for either of them. Um, and, I think and, that makes sense. Yeah. And the things he does do badly are quite concerning, and also for some schemes are potential. If you run a power scheme, I don't know how you use him in a power scheme at all. Like yeah. I, I, I just, I, I think he's, he's dis- his issues are disqualifying in a power scheme. Um, and I mean, yeah. Um, and even if you're a zone scheme, you will run power. 
occasionally and there's a chance he ends up inside your backfield on his back either you know might have his defensive tackle next to him but he's still you know on the ground going backwards yeah i I think that's the thing is like although he pancakes a lot he quite often pancakes going backwards which is generally not a great sign but most of his pancakes are in his own backfield i mean it's better than him getting completely blown up but he he tends to recover once he's already allowed penetration it's very impressive it is impressive but it's it's not great from a schematic point of view if you suddenly find you can't access any of the outside zones because there's suddenly a 300 pound man lying in the way of your running back yeah yeah, so there are are going to be places where he forces the running back to cut up field earlier than they need to just because they can't keep going outside because he's given up penetration okay um yeah i I, yeah he's a good player but he's just there there are some flaws okay and then uh how do pierschbacker and mccoy compare to uh the three we've just talked about so i think there's a a reasonable gap then between i think there's a decent gap between jenkins and bradbury as in like half mm-hmm. a round or something like that and then there's another yeah. gap again between bradbury and pierschmacher um yeah. again he, he he he's pretty solid technically but he doesn't bend his knees hugely well and the issue you see a lot with centers is their arms being too wide and it's because once they snap the ball it takes them some time to recover yeah. um but it's about shades of that and i think Pierschbacker is on the, the the worst end of that at times, yeah. um, but in pass protection he uses his hands well. Like once he gets his elbows up, he, he actually his hand placement and speed is good. He you know he's decent foot speed, and decent athlete, sort of power generated. He, he's pretty unspectacular, but he's pretty solid. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, he he's certainly more more of a floor guy than a ceiling guy. Um, and then you've got McCoy who is a bit more of the the other way in that he, he he has a real like he does some nice things but he doesn't bend his knees very well he plays with the same forward lean that bradbury does and also has this real tendency to get his feet quite close together like he, okay. he i didn't i didn't see that um that, might, that be, might be worth me looking for that where he just got he got moved laterally because he got his frame too narrow um and he just that that there were plays where his, his, for, his so his forward lean creates balance issues, which were then exasperated by sensing to get his feet narrow and lean mm. forwards. Um, so his 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 balance is a real concern. Um, but again, he moves very well. He's got pretty good hand usage. Um, you know, if you if you pull a lot, he moves quite well in space. Um, but there's there's there, probably if you play him early, you're going to have some 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 problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Piers Bock is more of a floor guy. McCoy's more of a ceiling guy. Yeah, I think I think there are decent. There are there are a few more sort of you know if you want late round depth, there are some guys there. Um, yeah. I think for Holt's pretty good. The guy from Arkansas, yeah. um, and I don't hate Sean Rawlings from Ole Miss, um, but I, I think probably if the Panthers guard is if, if you're going for pure depth, it makes more sense to go for for someone at guard given there is you know some depth. Going like for Nate Davis makes more sense than reaching for one of the centers. Yeah. Um, is, is Michael Jordan the next uh, goat of centres? Yeah, after Rawlings, he's kind of the next one. But he's, I think there's a reasonable gap between uh, Froholt and Rawlings again. Although I think it's like it's like mid to high fourth to late fourth. But there's yeah. fr- fr- from from Rawlings down, they're probably good backups. But you're not going to want them to start if they're your starting centre. You've got a, you've got an issue if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and whilst Piersbacker and, and you know is probably just, and Froholt are probably just mediocre starters, they are at least mediocre starters. Whereas if you were starting Jordan or Rawlings, you're going to look to replace them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think 
in a way it's well in, in more in more than a way but i think i think the panthers being able to get um paradis um has been really good in that you know this is not a center class with many elite players um yep. and the issue is if if you went into this draft needing a center you really have to get one of the top three guys and you can't guarantee that maybe one of them might fall to 47 but it's certainly not something you can take for granted maybe mcgovern's a bit lower rated than than, than the other two yeah i but, think mcgovern's currently like 90-ish on cbs's yeah or... so but but yeah i think the panthers not having to draft a center in this class i think center is weaker in terms of guys with starter potential than guard and tackle is yeah uh, and so i think actually it if mcgovern is somehow there in the fourth i think you take him over who's probably going to be there at guard but and then move because um, he can play guard as well. To be fair, I think so. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you you could take McGovern. You know, McGovern might make some sense to depth piece once you get sort of the late third. But um, I, I think probably they're not going to end up taking a centre unless the value is just so much better than what you're going to get at guard. If the if the Panthers don't pick a, a tackle in the first round, um, do you yeah. think there's there's much hope for them picking a sort of a more developmental guy later on? Possibly. I, I think the, the issue with, with this class, and this is something that I think I'm, I might write about as we get closer to it, is, is that because there are so few really elite prospects, generally what happens in, in the draft is that teams largely agree on the top like 20 guys, then their boards just differ wildly after that. But because yeah. this class is so weak at the top, it's like they agree on the top four or five guys, and then their boards are completely different after that. So projecting players at the moment is quite hard outside of like the top 10 in particular. So yep. for guys like Greg Little, I've seen him going in the top fifteen, and I've seen him falling to fifty. A- yep. And 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 the same is true of guys like like Titus Howard, say, where to get Titus Howard, do you have to take him at forty-seven, or can you wait until seventy-seven? Because I'd feel a damn sight better about taking him in the third than I would in the second, say. Yeah. And and it's it's things like that where there are guys like you know. Titus Howard and Tumor Adoga, I think, have some nice value as developmental guys. But the the issue is, is if you don't get what like I think there is good value at 16 in the top two tackles. But because this isn't there isn't a, a huge depth of really like you know plug and play starters, that you just then potentially start reaching for guys um if you don't get it right. Um and and whilst I, I do quite like Hyatt, I don't think he's a good fit for the Panthers in that I you know. He doesn't, you know, the Panthers need someone who is either a significant upgrade over what they have right now. You know, the Panthers don't have, like, they're not in a situation where they have a left tackle and just nobody at right tackle, where they just need someone to come in and offer a base level. That's not where they are. They've mm. got two mediocre, to two decent to good tackles with no depth. And so they are, realistically, what you need is one good, you need to just hit on one good tackle. And they do better to wait a year and develop a guy than, 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 than reach. But... Uh, I think if you're the... So this is something we'll get into a bit next week, but I think because of the gap between the top two tackles and the rest of the tackle class, I think even if the, those two aren't the highest rated players on your board, because other positions the Panthers need are just so much deeper, if, if you're going to take an edge and a defensive and an offensive tackle with the top two picks, even if you have a higher rated edge at 16 the combined value you're going to get is almost certainly going to be higher taking one of these two at 16 and the best edge at 47 yeah. than, 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 than say if Brian Burns is there uh, uh, taking him at 16, even, you know, I, I'm not convinced he's higher than little than Dillard, but, but, but 
I also am not convinced that he's not. I'm, that, that isn't a debate I've completely finished having with myself yet. But he could be the top player on the board at 16. But by taking him at 16 and then taking a tackle at 47, you're then seeing a much lower value than if you took, say, Little or Dillard at 16 and then took someone like Chase Winovich at 47. Yeah. The, 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 the fall off at offensive tackle is so quick, so significant, um, that I, I think that there is a really strong argument for taking a tackle at 16, personally. Um, yeah. And yeah. It, potentially in this class, the other option you might have is, is is trading down a little bit, particularly for Little. If, if Dillard isn't there at 16 and you're not a huge fan of Little, I, I think you can you can probably move back five to ten places and still have a good shot at Little. Um, yeah. And, and if that's what you have to do to make yourself have, feel happy with the value, then fine. But I think there's... There's a, the, the fall off at tackle is so much faster than at edge that I think that it, I, I think this is probably it might, at least where I am right now. I think this is probably where the Panthers should go at sixteen, or at least with their first pick, wherever that is. Yeah, trading down is always an option, but um, I think in, in this year's draft class, it's going to be difficult to trade down because every single team is going to be trying to do that. Uh, possibly. I mean, there are always some complete lunatics, though. That's the thing. That 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 there are. There are teams that either... I mean, what you do have is there are some teams with a lot of picks that could probably don't need 15 guys, say. And I know the, yeah, the, yeah. Patriots, really like, I know the Patriots really like their picks, but they've got, like, I think it's 12 or 13 picks. That's a lot of players. And and, and particularly for a team that's really... I'm not, I, I don't buy into the one-player-away sort of mantra, but... The Patriots are retooling for a championship and don't need 13. Go- you know, they're not going to have 13 rookies on their, their opening day roster, realistically. Yeah. Um, and whilst I don't think you're going to get amazing value in a trade down, you know, if you're if you, if if the guy you're going to draft at 16 would also be the guy you're going to draft at 26, you might as well get something out of it if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I I I. I, I there's also the fact that NFL GMs have a tendency to fall in love with players, and so they just do ridiculous things that that a week before the draft they would have said they would definitely not do, and then they get there and they find themselves trading up and giving up far more for for, for you know if someone falls in love with DK Metcalf and he's there at 16, I could imagine a, a John Gruden falling in love with DK Metcalf or or a I, I could imagine a team falling in love with with someone who tested great. And it's perceived as a bit of a bargain at that point, um, and just paying the world to move up. But NFL I, GMs are, are true romantics. <laughs> what you're saying then? What, what's, 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 what's the moneyball quote? Who couldn't be romantic about baseball? Well, I think NFL GMs have that same that same thing yeah. about the draft. Well, it's just it's it's the the promise of potential. That's the thing is that you sit there and you you know you put all of your you start projecting your hopes and dreams onto this you know 21 year old kid. <laughs> and and then you end up drafting them way too high, and it serves no one. But but you every year teams trade up for someone who probably isn't what they hoped. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you should never trade up, but but consistently teams trade up for the um oh who's the guy the Rams took the wide receiver really really high what, what, years ago Tavon Austin yeah Tavon Austin that's it yeah. What do they give up for him? No, do they, do they trade up for Austin? I can't remember if they did that. I don't, I don't, I don't remember them. They, doing might, that. they might, they might not. Oh, no, that, 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 it was, it was, no, that was it. It was one of the picks they got from the RG three trade. But again, yes. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Washington gives up every pick in the world for RG three. 
Yeah, quarterbacks are a bit different, though. Um, yeah, I don't think I there are that many first-round quarterbacks this year. That there won't be that many trade-ups. Again, I just I I I can see a team giving up. I I I could see if the Raiders have a trade for Derek Carr, um, and they don't want to go. There isn't a quarterback they like at four, say. I I could see them trading back up into the mid-first for someone like um, a Drew Locke. Or uh, yeah. like if so, if if so, if someone in the late first with an aging quarterback really likes Drew Locke or yeah. um, the Duke guy Daniel Jones, I, I could see someone giving up a, yeah. A, a, yeah. I could see giving up someone a, a late second round pick and maybe a fourth something like that to move up ten spots and take a quarterback. Um, I could see the Patriots doing that if they, if they really want to move on from Tom Brady, um, you know, in at some point. But yeah, I, it. It, 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 you, you could spend a lot of time thinking about draft trades, and you just don't know until it, it actually happens. But yeah, I, this, this, this is this is this is a bad year for the Raiders to have three first round picks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is this is this is not the year to have three first round picks. All the year is the Giants to have two top twenty picks. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not a good trade. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's. Yeah, I think I think tackle is definitely an option at sixteen, and I think there are two guys who would be pretty decent value in this class at sixteen. Do you have any lasting thoughts from this this position group, or are we pretty much no, running to a close? I think we're running to a close. Um, yeah, it's not for this for this draft class. I think offensive line is uh, a relative uh, position of strength. That's not to say it's a great offensive line class, but Compared to the other position groups, um, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty good. Um, I think, um, yeah, some some interesting pieces at the interior offensive line. Um, but then again, that that tends to be the case most years. That's you know, it's really tackles that the um, the NFL struggles with as compared to uh, interior guys. I think, um, and 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 tackles wise, um, it's. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how many good starting tackles come out of this crop. Um, it'll probably only end up being two or three, I think. Yeah. Um, it could be more. Could could be surprised. Um, but you know, offensive tackle is such an important position, and it can be so hard to find uh, to find yeah. guys to to get one on a rookie contract. Um, and you know, Dillard and, and Little have got you know really good ceilings um, that you could end up getting a yeah. bargain there. Yeah, no, I mean, you just have to look at the money that the, the offensive tackles got on the free agency market. I just, yeah. the, the the amount of money you save by hitting on a tackle in the draft is just it bonkers. Like, the, I think it's something like two and a half million dollars a year the Panthers will be paying their first round pick if they pick a 16. That would not get you a mediocre backup tackle on the free agent market. Like, Bob, Bobby yeah. Hart got seven million dollars a year. Yeah. Uh, Mac Mac Khalil coming off an injury, having had a couple of pretty poor seasons, got seven and a half million dollars. Yeah. Uh, it, it, if you can draft tackles well, you save yourself so much money. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's probably about the, the extent of my wisdom for the site. Um, huh. Next week we've got edge rushes. Again, there'll be a lot of people to talk about. I'm not sure whether we're going to do one part or two part for that as well, but um, that's definitely. Okay. A, yeah. a, a lot, you know. There's a there's a lot to talk about there for the Panthers as well. Um, but I think yes, for offensive line, there are two really good prospects, and then there's a decent amount of guys who who could be interesting on day two. But I, I think 
if they took anyone other than Dillard or Little, I'd probably be a bit disappointed at 16. But yeah. Yeah. Goodbye from me. Uh, if you like this podcast, um, please share it with your friends. Um, please comment, review, uh, try and get as many people as you can to, to listen to us. We really appreciate it if you do. Um, yeah. And if you don't, well, never mind. I hope you enjoyed it anyway. And we will we will we will speak to you next weekend. Yeah. Next goodbye. Week. Bye. Bye.